get it still on his home ground. Okay. Got it! Got it! Well deserved. A magnificent delivery from Darren Goff. Must be very close to five. Got it! What a patch this is for Ryan Sidebottom. Could be a run out. Champions as Rich Parra takes the catch. Hi, I'm Richard Pyra and this is the Covers Off podcast from the Yorkshire County Career Club. And delighted to say now that we've got our own sponsor. So we're now in association with AMT Auto. Find their latest deals at amtauto.co.uk and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at amtauto.uk. And they do have some very nice cars. I've got Pato with me. Pato, you'll be after a free motor, won't you? Like? Well, I was thinking that, to be honest, Rich. When, uh, when I heard we got a sponsor, I was thinking, have they got any Teslas I could borrow? But apparently, it's, we're not at that stage yet. So yeah. maybe in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll have to keep building this pod to get, to get you a Tesla, I think. But um, delighted to say that we're back at Headingley. We're hosting this from the ground, from the players' dining room. We're looking over the ground. It looks beautiful. Good to be back. We are set one metre apart. Don't worry about that, but I've just seen uh, just seen you in the gym, Pato, looking strong and f- as flexible as ever. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Rich. Now, it is nice to be back. Obviously, we've had a bit of time off after the season, which was a unique season anyway, but it's uh, it's nice to have a bit of kind of a routine again and, and get back in with the lads and see some familiar faces. So, yeah, the lads are, the lads are chuffed to be back and doing some training and uh, hopefully by the time we get round to the season, we'll be back to some level of normality. Yeah. Definitely. It's good to see some of the lads back today. They look as though they've needed it. They've been stuck in at home for quite a while, so good to be back. Right, um, we're getting pretty bored of cricket guests, so we thought we'd change it up this week. Today's guest was Britain's youngest Michelin-starred chef in 2013 and won the Great British Menu in 2016 and 17. He runs a michelin star restaurant, uh, The Black Swan, and Roots in York as well. But most importantly, he's a big Yorkshire cricket fan. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Tommy Banks. Tommy, it's really nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So you are a, a big cricket fan. I know we've uh, we've done a, a couple of things with the club with you, and uh, I think last time I saw you, I was throwing some balls to you in the East Stand as well. So you, you do love your cricket, don't you? Yeah, I absolutely love it. I think uh, it's interesting to say you get bored of. Uh cricket guests you want to have someone else on but every time I have a conversation with someone about I talk to a cricket all I want to do is ask about cricket and all they want to do is ask me about food so usually it clashes a little bit but yeah we did um, it must have been just before lockdown actually I'm thinking it seems so long ago now but it must have been March this year I think did a little cooking competition didn't we and unfortunately I didn't award you the uh, as the winner did I and then I think you were quite I mean it was competitive in the nets but I thought you were pretty feisty on an amateur actually well I didn't win did I so on the on the cooking uh, I'd be honest lethal I, with that dog thrower I've got my excuses lined up I'd, I'd never cooked a steak in a in a big oven like that the timings were all off it must have been yeah. the oven well we were, we were in the sort of it's a kitchen that would be used to to service quite a lot of guests wouldn't it so you were cooking one portion in this great big oven that would cook enough food for sort of 200 people at once so it wasn't ideal I mean you can see straight away uh professional sportsman and how competitive you are I mean I, I wasn't sure what to expect when I turned up but they'd fully prepped hadn't they they'd worked all week on that so yeah fair play so Tommy just be honest before we move on about Rich's performance if you were if that was in your restaurant and he was working in your kitchen and he produced that would he still have a job the next day or not 
I could, he'd still have a job, but we would have been going again. We weren't sending it out to the restaurant. I, mean, no. I thought they were going to, thought, I thought Rich and Pete were going to win all day long. They, they were just, you know, mature heads. I thought, I thought they had it. And I think it was delicious. They made this little, um, like, Thai salad, papaya salad with it, which was bang full of flavour. But I think, uh, I think it's, it's like just overthought it a little bit. Yeah, I think maybe it, let, let it get. To, get if Richard had stuck to his number one dish, the frozen beef burger, I think, honestly, it'd have been a different one. <laughs> but he's probably tried a bit too hard to impress you, I think. And... But steak's a tough one, isn't it? It's very personal. I, yeah. I like it uh, medium. <laughs> <laughs> call it medium. But you obviously don't, do you? So you, you've got your own opinion. And not that you're a Michelin star chef or anything, but I like it as I like it. Yeah. I seem to remember this is our conversation at the time as well. Yeah. <laughs> So Tommy, let's uh, let's go back a few years and let's talk a little bit how you got in interested in cooking, I suppose, in the first place. And obviously, your family—am I right in saying your family bought the Black Swan at Olstead when you were quite a young lad? Before yeah. you had a major interest in cooking, and then what happened from there? I had no interest in cooking whatsoever. I was probably—I know you're quite a fussy eater. Growing up, I was like very fussy eater. All I wanted to do was play cricket, like absolutely tragic like growing up just i used to play for much like you guys had done play for every team we play in like several games a day and all i want to do is play cricket um and i left school and mum and dad bought a local pub and it was you know it wasn't a good you wouldn't have gone there for a meal like it wasn't a good pub and uh kind of put me, me and my brother in charge but my intention was never to cook i actually had uh, lined up i was going to go to australia that winter and do a season down there i I kind of, I was probably never good enough. But I had this sort of ambition at this point. I'd be sort of sixteen, seventeen, I suppose. Wanted to be a professional cricketer, I suppose. And um, yeah, so I was supposed to go down and play, uh, play in Oz down under. I had no interest in the pub whatsoever. I used to wash a few pots and drink a lot of the beer. Really, it was, it was a bit of a joke. I mean, imagine I was seventeen, my brother was nineteen. Imagine putting two lads like that in charge of a pub. We just had lock-ins every night. We were so popular. We had friends we'd never had before. It was great, uh, and that that was kind of how it was. And I was just thinking. Thinking like this is it, I just, you know, play my sport and and uh, work a bit in the pub, and it was great. But um, I actually got I got quite ill when I was seventeen. I got um, uh, a disease called ulcerative colitis, which I know there's been there's been some famous sport people who've had it. Darren Fletcher had it, you know, the Man United uh, player, and uh, so Steve Redgrave, I think. But I had quite a, an aggressive. Uh, form of it and that just sort of wiped me out I was unable to play any sort of sport or anything I was pretty much bedridden for about a year and that's when uh, I think uh, it's difficult when you and I, I guess you hear a lot of sports people when they retire really struggle with it but I found like I just lived for cricket and I couldn't do it all and that was a really difficult thing to take so I kind of um, threw everything into cooking so well, that's something I could do I could go into the pub and I could start cooking and I kind of took that obsessive nature I had with with sport into into the kitchen and that's how that that really started and it kind of uh I mean, I can't say it was great to start off with, but um, it's kind of like snowballed over the years. First few years were, were fairly ropey and we, we used to have a good time, you know, we were young and, and then uh, eventually it became sort of a serious career and uh, yeah, and the sort of the Black Swan, we used to call them Mucky Duck, like that eventually became a Michelin star restaurant. So talking about obviously the Michelin star, which is is unbelievable achievement. Mm. If I'm right in thinking, you got the Michelin star before you were the head chef, under another chef? Yeah, so... Were you, were you yeah, chef exactly. at the time or and what was the pressure on you then when you took over as head chef? Yeah, so we, we employed, um, we had small teams, we employed a chef called Adam Jackson. Um, so I worked w- with him and we won a star in 2011. There's maybe sort of three or four of us in the kitchen. So that was amazing. Like, uh, I remember how sort of basic our restaurant was at the time. You know, we, we did a bit of everything. We did like a tasting menu, but we also did sandwiches and crisps and stuff. Like it was a real mismatch of stuff. 
I remember when we first won a mission star, it got it got leaked that year. Someone had got hold of a book a day before it had been released, and um, someone came to the kitchen. No, we just won a mission star. I was like, "What? We've won a mission star?" Like, yeah, we just won a mission star. Also, um, check on two smoked salmon sandwiches. One no butter on there, and one doesn't want any salt on the chips. And you're like, "Wow, that is how to come back down to earth, isn't it?" Like, uh, you just won a mission star, and you're making sandwiches with no butter on them. So it was pretty humble at the time. But Adam, Adam moved on after a couple of years. So I was 24 in 2000. 13 and that's when I took over and yeah that that was tough because we had to maintain the mission star and and we're out in the middle of nowhere so uh, the bit of business we had was was based around the, the mission star so there was a lot of pressure on so that was that was tough year kind of uh, worked every day through that period and uh, managed to maintain it which was which was incredible so after that then Tommy going going forward to 2016 2017 winning the great british menu that must have been yeah. uh, yeah, you know, brilliant for your CV uh, on the top of you know the Michelin star as well. Yeah, amazing. And that was, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever done any TV. I mean, I, I guess a bit like for you guys, I guess you, you get into the orchard team and you play cricket your whole life, and suddenly you have to do an interview and you get a microphone shoved in front of your face. It's pretty nerve wracking the first time. So uh, that was that was um yeah that was incredible. That really put us on the map. Really helped sort of boost my reputation, but also the restaurant. But but also I think it's a difficult thing um, cooking. Because you you know where it was sport, it's very tangible to compare one person against another. Um, so to be able to compete against other top chefs in the country and come out on top, it, it kind of gives you that. It helps to sort of relieve some of the insecurities that you have, I think, and, and help you realise, oh no, I'm doing. You know, give you some indication of what you're doing and how you know you're doing a good job. And then Tommy, in 2017, obviously, for those who don't know, TripAdvisor Awards, Black Swan won the best restaurant in the world, I believe, based on TripAdvisor ratings and reviews. What was that like? How did that make you feel personally? And what was it like for the restaurant and the effect it had going forward? Oh, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, um, I'm not one to get obsessed with awards and things like that. So we, we, I think we got an email through the day before. It was embargoed. And I was like, didn't really read it properly. You know, it was just like, meh. Yeah, all right, cool. We've won something. Might, might be on Look North or something. Didn't really think about it. And uh, I didn't think I'd even realise it said in the whole world. I thought it was maybe a national award. And anyway, it kind of got it got released, sort of must have been released in a different country overnight. And I came in, I was cooking breakfast at the Black Swan in the morning. I pulled into the car park and there was a Sky van, a BBC van, a CNN van, all with the satellites on top in this little car park in our little pub in the middle of nowhere. I thought, oh Christ, what is going on here? Pulled, got out of my car. I was the only, only chef cooking breakfast at this point. We were still quite a small restaurant. And they were like, oh, Tommy, right, we need to grab you for an interview. I was like, I can't do an interview. I've got to cook omelettes. Like, I've, got to, I've got to get set up for breakfast. And they just took over these film crews. I was doing the Sky interview in one corner of the restaurant, and BBC in another, and they were interviewing all the guests. It was just literally insane. It was, um, I think, because, you know, we're a tiny pub in the middle of nowhere, and we're like farming family who took on a village pub. It was just the perfect headline, and it kind of run throughout the world. So we had friends from the other side of the world who said, I've just seen you on the news, you know, in like New Zealand or in South Africa or something. And you're like, this is, this is mad. So it was a huge story. And from that moment, the Black Swan was fully booked for you know, a couple of years every day. It just really it changed our lives. And I think I was so naive not to, not to even think it was a big deal at the time. But it is kind of one of them weird things. And when people introduce you and they say it and you're like, oh, yeah, no, we, yeah, that kind of did happen. Um, but the, the pressure that that brought was insane. As Rich just said at the start, food is totally um, subjective, right? Like one person's mission stars, another person's no thanks, don't, don't like that at all. And uh, I think that's the difficult thing when you get bestowed on you a title like best restaurant in the world, you can't live up to people's expectations. And, and that was certainly tough. And especially we had people traveling from like America or something just to come for dinner. And how do you 
how do you live up to that? You can't. So that that was kind of tough. I've tried to try to play it down quite a lot, really. But yeah, no, a crazy thing to have happened. Brilliant. And a pleasing thing for me is it's a family-run pub. It's you know you bought it all those years mm. ago uh, in your local village. It's it must make it special being a a, fa- a family affair, really. It, it is, and I think the thing is your family no one supports you like your family so i think i've been very lucky to always have have that support but i also just laugh about it like when we come up in all these lists like win the awards for black swan and i used to catch a school bus from outside the black swan like it was just the village pub and like me and my mate me and my mate john we used to save our dinner money we used to just have like we used to have pasta or chips every day so we'd save up our dinner money and this is how quiet the pub was we could go in on a friday in our school shirt and tie and have and we could have four pints and four packs of crisps for six quid or whatever we'd saved and we just get served when we were 14. That's what it was. And there was like a darts board in the corner and a, and a TV. And that was it. And it was just, oh, Tommy and John are in. They just take your tie off and just have a few pints. That's what it was. And uh, yeah, so I just laugh about it now. And you kind of got, got to sort of see the funny side of it when it's kind of escalated so quickly. Right, let's, let's relate it back to, to cricket now, Tommy. Um, yeah. As cricketers, we, we like a good lunch. You know, we get to the ground early. We do, you know, it's, it's hard work at times. Get to lunch and you're really looking forward to it. And by far the best lunch is Lord's, isn't it? Absolutely. So, you know, you get to Lord's for, you know, a lunch and there's a three-course meal. You get your option of your main, option of your dessert and your starter. And it's, it's something different to anything else in the country. And just recently, they've uh, redeveloped the media end and uh, you've mm. acquired a... A restaurant there, aren't you? So that's it's massive for you, and and to be based at Lords, and I'm sure that you'll uh, you'll get to see a few test matches in the future with that as well. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, Lords is a special place. It must be one of the the best stadiums in world sport, really, with the history and everything that goes with it. But I can't believe what you guys get fed. It is insane. I go up there. It's obviously, I've spent a bit of time there working on things, and I know sort of the hospitality and catering team there really well. And you go up and see what the players are. There's racks of lamb being, and I was like, uh, I saw him roasting all these racks of lamb. I was like, how many, uh, how many sort of cutlets do you give them? Like, and he's like, oh, three. I was like, you get three racks of lamb. He's like, yeah, and all this potato and all this. I was like, oh my god, how does anybody play sport after eating that? But that's what I love about cricket. It's the only sport where you stop for lunch and tea. I mean, it feels like. It's like the perfect sport, really, for a chef. But I, I just think, um, sorry, go on. No, I was saying, you know, what the best thing is, is he's uh, retiring from playing. So I go there <laughs> now, and you have no idea the amount of food that we could eat at lunch, and then go, come on, lads, let's have some good energy after lunch now. And then he's going to run in with three, three lamb cutlets in him. And we can just have a little snooze. It's brilliant. Yeah, you Shades got... on, fall asleep. <laughs> exactly. Now, you've got to realise, Tommy, Lords is... Is an anomaly. There's nowhere else in the country like that. Don't get me wrong, some places give us good food, but when you say you can't believe what we get fed, oh. that is nothing like anything elsewhere. Come to Headingley, you can see some of the boiled chicken we have. It's, it's very different, but <laughs> like Lords is the only place you ever see somebody get left out as 12 man and actually be happy because they can just eat <laughs> more days. So you, it, it's a bit different. Five nights out in London as well, haven't you, as well? So you're... Yeah, uh, you're we, we don't like spending this money, so when it's, when it's nearly 10 <laughs> the pint in London, then... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it was interesting. I was chatting to the to the chef there, and he was showing me. So, like the the players' uh, dining room at Lords is actually quite small. 
yeah. considering how many, especially like for a test match, how many people you get through. And there's little fridges at the back of it. And, uh, and they said that up until the mid-90s, that would just be stocked with like jugs of beer and, and red wine and white wine, even for test matches and stuff. So it's no wonder Mike Gatting got so big, isn't it? Like all that going on. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Dizzy, Dizzy was our, our head coach for a while. He liked to drink on a night. And once he'd, had, uh, once he'd had his big lunch, he didn't see him for an hour after lunch. He was, he was nodding. He had his nodding dog on him. Sunglasses on. After every lunch, after, you know, a bit of a hangover. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it does, it makes it so special. When you go to places like that, you know, we, we were never good enough to play test cricket or play for England. And that's, that's as close as you get to international cricket, being trekked like that. I know when I've, I've been around a couple of test matches now at Headingley with England, and the food for the England boys is completely different to what we get. So they get trekked. But when, when we go as county cricketers to Lords, we get trekked like that. So it makes it so special. Yeah, the, the whole place though is just unbelievable, isn't it? Like the history, the atmosphere there. Like you can see why um, you know touring teams hold so much by when they play at Lords as well. So yeah, it's an absolute dream come true for me because I I just think I've got to get these menus organised so I could actually watch some of the cricket. So I'm quite really running around like an idiot all day when. It, but hopefully I'm going to be at every Lords test, so hopefully I get to catch some of it. Yeah, what's it going to be like for you then? On a obviously during a test match on a day for all the experience you've got, all the awards you've won. You can't control the weather. You could have lunch at one o'clock. You could have lunch at quarter past twelve. You could have lunch at half past one, depending on what's going on in the in the course of the game. How are you going to prepare for that? And are you prepared for it? Yeah, this is my biggest fear. To be honest, you, you've touched on it. I've been trying to avoid this thought. It is, um, yeah, it's really impossible. You know, the chefs do have the work cut out. There's nothing really like uh, a test match in terms of if there's bad weather around or, you know, someone declares or something, they, they change things. I talked to uh, Andy, who's the chef who does all the players' food, and he says that the, the umpires do sort of let him know first out of everybody what's what's happening, just to give him the heads up. Because if he doesn't get the food out in time, then the players are going to be miffed and they're not going to get fed and then you're not going to get started as soon. So his job's really important, but I don't think it's going to get filtered up to me very quickly. So uh, we're just going to have to be ready. But, you know, it's a new experience. It's going to be sort of, uh, it's going to be fun. And uh, if we have to go half an hour early or something, then we'll just have to make it work. Right, Tommy, let's, let's get back to your cricket before we move on to the, some Twitter questions. I know you played local league cricket in, around York. Yeah. Just let us know where you played and what type of cricket were you? Were you uh, I mean, I've, I've thrown at you with an indoor centre and you look to be quite an elegant batsman. A bit, bit more like Steve Patterson rather than uh, Adam Lyde. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Well, yeah, no, it was good. Better than you. But um, yeah, so just give us a bit of uh, bit of background on where you started and and what type of cricket you were. Um, well, I started uh, a little tiny club, which I, I still play for now on a night, which is Newber Priory, which is. Um, we just play like nightly cricket, but it, it, it's rough and ready. Like I cut the grass on a Wednesday afternoon. We just literally put the mower down to lower setting and just cut a strip, roll it, and it, it does all sorts. You don't get many runs there, but if you've that, I've uh, won quite a few bowling trophies there because I mean, you just have to get it somewhere near the stumps and you're in the game. So that's sort of the cricket I'm playing nowadays. But now I played uh, club cricket at uh, Easingwold. That was my club. So I think, I mean, the leagues have changed around a lot in the last few years, but that was sort of York and District Premier League at the time. I was saying to Steve the other day, I actually played against Pato a long, long time ago, and he was playing for Stamford Bridge, I think. So, um, yeah, but I think you just made a Yorkshire debut there. So I think you had a, I think you had a good day out on us actually that day. You probably um, got that day, didn't you? You're just keeping it quiet. I really didn't know. And he goes, Pato um, got all his Yorkshire kit on. Did he have his help? Yorkshire yeah. Help, you know, sending young lads oh, to get from his car and stuff. Yeah, full kit. Yeah, but I was, uh, I was an all-rounder really. Um, so opening bowler. 
yeah, I used to think I was I was quite sharp, but but probably not in reality. And then yeah, uh, sort of a top order batsman as well. Nice. Well, I've actually next time you're in the club, I've got a, a speedometer. That I, I measure all our bowlers. <laughs> you know, a good sixty-seven mile an hour now indoor. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get you on. We'll uh, you think you've got a yard of pace? We'll, we'll get you on and see. Well, what you yeah. I'll put my money where my mouth is. I might, I might get 50 mile an hour. Good. So um, this week, the club put, um, put it out on Twitter that you're coming on and we've got a couple of, couple of questions here. Pato, do you want to start us off? Yeah, one of the Twitter questions came in. What would your ultimate cricket tee look like? Cricket tee? Oh, I used to have a, a technique. So I always used to find that uh, plates are too small. Like You get given like a little diddy plate and you've got to get all that stuff on. So it's like a stacking technique in it to get all your savoury stuff and then like your scones on top of your your, um, your sandwiches. Ultimate cricket tea. I think you've got to have some nice like protein heavy sandwiches. Like you're like talking beef, ham, egg, salmon. You want cream tea, you want uh, scones on there. And then, like, I was always a big fan of, like, a little scotch egg or a, or a piece of pork pie or something like that. Yeah. You, want, you want, like, lots of protein, lots of carbs, don't you, when you play yeah. cricket? And, and a cup of tea. It's the only sport where a cup of tea is an isotonic drink. Right, Tommy, you, uh, during the, the food challenge, you came in, in and hosted with the club. Afterwards, you faced a couple of our young seamers. Who was the best seamer that you faced? Well, Matty Fisher, without doubt. I mean, I know Matt and his family. I used to used to play with his older brother. Uh, we went to the same school actually, so so we know each other fairly well. And I I think he's incredible cricket. Obviously, made his debut very young, didn't he, Matty? Yeah. Um, he was maybe sixteen or something. Yeah. And he's been very unlucky with injuries, but you know, I think the games he played last summer for Yorkshire, he he really performed well, didn't he? And I think uh, I really think he's someone who could you know could play for England one day if he could just get enough games together and uh, and, and yeah, play enough. I, I think he's incredible cricketer. Yeah, he's he's definitely talented. I mean, he came through last year and body getting a bit stronger now. He, you've got to, you've got to understand that when when bowlers come through at fifteen and and the bowling the, the pace that he was bowling at fifteen years old, it takes a while for your body to catch up. You can't expect a 15, 16 year old to be bowling at 85 mile an hour. That's mm. unheard of. So it's taken him a couple of years to get to get strong, and hopefully now we can we can put a good couple of years consistent cricket behind him. Okay, Tommy, uh, covers off quick fire questions. So we've had some good answers from some good cricketers on this show so far. Battles were was good. Don't lie. <laughs> no one. So it'd be good to get um, some answers from you as a as a chef, but also as a big cricketing fan. So just give us the first first thing that comes into your mind with these with these questions. Earliest memory of cricket. Uh, just hitting a ball against the wall. Uh, uh, I used to hit a, cr- a tennis ball against the wall with a stump for hours. That was, that was absolutely tragic. Absolutely tragic. Oh, I wouldn't be able to hit it with a stump. <laughs> right, nice. Um, cricketing hero. Uh, two, three. Michael Vaughan, massively. You know, I used to have his gun and more bat, like everyone did. I think of my age. Uh, but I think the thing was, I, I was born. 1980 up to 16 England lost everything like we never won so like well I think it was 2002 was it when he went up down under and scored a load of runs and I think that was just like never seen that before in my lifetime so I think I, I used to love it and, and Darren Goff as well incredible you do realize if Vaughn hears this now he'll be coming to your restaurant hoping for a free meal yeah Vaughn is, oh, yeah. Vaughn is brilliant I mean he's done a lot for us but Vaughn loves a free bit Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, true. They both do, but it's a long way. 
Yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> we're off from Yorkshire, remember? Right. <laughs> okay, so first match you attended. This is a great one, actually. So it was at really random to be at Lords. It was the CNG final, I think, 2001, when right. we beat Somerset. Yeah, we were. And I think one. Matthew Elliott. Yeah, Matthew Elliott got a load of runs. It was a hell of a team that, like, bowling line up with sort of Silverwood, Hoggard. Who else would be playing? Side bottom. Right. Uh, Craig White, yeah. Gary Fellows bowled a little bit. And then you had like McGrath, Vaughan, Matthew Wood, Matthew Elliott. Like it was a hell of a side. Yeah, yeah that, was the, that was the first Yorkshire match I attended. It was uh, my next door neighbour just uh, managed to get some tickets and now best friends with his son. So he took us down. It was a great day. Yeah, it was. We, we went down on the academy team bus, didn't we? Yeah. We sat literally where your new Edrich restaurant will be, next to the media centre. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's where I was sat as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mad. Okay. Uh, best game you've attended? World Cup final last year. Incredible. Nice. I mean, it probably won't be a better game of cricket than that. You can tell your big league now, Tommy. <laughs> Attending World Cup finals. <laughs> just got lucky, haven't I? This last year or so, just got lucky. But actually, I mean, 2019 was a ridiculous summer for cricket, wasn't it? Like, the World Cup final was insane. But I came to, obviously came to Headley Test when um, Stokes got his, uh, got his 100 there. But I came to the first day, which was largely washed out wasn't great and then I came to second day and were bowled out for like 60 or whatever and then I didn't come to the rest of it when it all turned around and, and went really well so uh, I went to that test but not the right days Okay which ground is top of your bucket list to watch cricket at anywhere in the world? Um, I quite like look of Adelaide but where have they been playing this week in South Africa with the big mountain behind it? Where's that? Newlands. That? Newlands in Cape Town Yeah that would be class I'd love to go there and uh, the wine from around there is incredible as well Have you? Bowled a maiden at Tendulkar there, if anybody wanted to know. Uh, <laughs> I, to be fair, I wondered if that, you were going to say that, because I think that's probably the top of most players' list, to be fair, of somewhere they want to play. It's absolutely mm. stunning view, breathtaking ground to play at. So uh, certainly wouldn't be bad. It's where Johnny Burstow got his first, if you remember. His first Test 100, yeah. when Stokesy got a yeah. double, and I think got on about 400 between them. If there's, if there's ever a Steve Patterson... Um, comment it's that like people always think about the, the favorite things of oh i got so and so i've got so and so patos is i bowled a maiden use <laughs> 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 the t20 come on well done <laughs> right okay i know you've come to edinley quite a bit tommy uh, are you a western terrace man or a members area man i'll be western terrace hasn't it it's absolutely mad it's great, yeah. Um, I think it's such a funny stand to be in as well. Because actually, you know, first session, it is pretty civilised. And people I talk about the cricket, they love it. By the second, third session, it is absolutely madness up there. Everyone's in fancy dress. And it's just incoherent, the whole thing. It's great, I love it. And you don't get that at Lords, So, yeah, it's special. You don't get that anywhere. It's to play in front of that, especially the Roses T20, when it's on, yeah. like, under lights. Probably the, one of the best atmospheres in the world, but you're not going to beat that. Absolutely. Have you seen a Roses T20 game, Tommy, live? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have, I've, I've only been to one. I, I was in the Western Terrace. I mean, Liam Livingston, he gets pelters. Absolute pelters the whole night. Um, but yeah, no, quality. So much fun. Right, Tommy, next question. Somebody to bat for your life. If you had one person to bat for your uh, life, who would you choose? It'd have to be Alistair Cook, I think. Definitely. Strong, strong shout. He's Sarah Alistair Cook, isn't he? For, for the reason of how many yeah, exactly. he scored. So, fair play. I think he'd dig in for me. Uh, I agree. The best player you've played with in the Test Match Special versus Tailenders match? <laughs> that was a really good laugh, that. Um, there were some good some good players. Um, 
obviously I was playing for the Tailenders team, so they were all sort of non-professional. But uh, Chris Hughes is a really good player, obviously from Love Island, and Harry uh, from McFly is a good player as well. Uh, but obviously uh, we're playing against Michael Vaughan, Graham Swans, a couple of England uh, England legends in there, so probably Vaughan. Good shout, Yorkshireman, I like that as well. Ticking the boxes. Uh, <laughs> now this is a tough one. People always struggle on this. Three people, living or dead, to have dinner with. Oh, right. So I'm going to pick a cricketer then. I'm going to pick uh, Viv Richards. Because, uh, I mean, I was obviously too young to see him play. But w- when lockdown started, it was always on these old retro games on the BBC. And he had such swagger, like just swaggering out there, chewing his gum. I think he'd be great fun. I would have a comedian. Do you know what? I'd have Ricky Gervais, but he's got to be in the character of David Brent. Um, from The Office because I think that would just be mega because I re-watched The Office recently and uh, it just makes every situation awkward and cringy so I just think you'd be an amazing person to have around the table. Yeah, Viv, Viv Richards, Ricky Gervais as David Brent and then I'd have Pavarotti as well because he's just got a massive set of pipes on him so if he got a bit tipsy and started singing in your living room it would sound incredible. I like that. Random combo but uh, very interesting. <laughs> it's random, yeah. I'd be intrigued to see how Viv, Viv, the coolest man alive, how he got on with David Brent. But uh, yeah, good choice. Now, final question. Uh, <laughs> if you had to, could you pick your dream six-a-side team? Okay, uh, that I've seen play. Um, so you need lots of all-rounders, really, don't you? Um, I'm having I'm having Flintoff and Stokes keeping wicket. Well, Johnny Bairstow keeping wicket, batting up top, smashing it. So that's three. I need a spinner. Shane Warne, Dale Stain to bowl absolute heat. And I want another bat and oh Morgan. Oh and Morgan's gonna captain it. A skipper. That's a good six aside team. That's a hell of a side. You've got a good balance there and some uh yeah. some very, very good cricketers. Right, Tommy, that's the end of the quick fire questions. Uh and I thought just finally to touch on before we let you go, obviously this this year with COVID and everything, it's been a difficult year for all different industries, but hospitality probably as hard hit as anyone. What's it been mm. like for you over the last seven or eight months? And then looking forward, as we, with the vaccine obviously due to come out, what are your hopes for the year ahead? Uh, I think first, it's, it's been a, a really tough year. I think as tough as you, you can imagine, really, for hospitality. And frustrating at times as well. It's definitely felt like uh, the hospitality industry has sort of had uh, restrictions put on it when other, others haven't. You know, but but I think there's, there's there are positives. I think it's been amazing to see how hospitality businesses have bounced back, and uh, so many have done a lot for communities as well. You know, you see so many pubs that have been turned into village shops, and how many restaurants have uh, provided meals for for key workers. I think has been really exciting. So and you know, it just shows the sort of goodwill that people in our industry have. So so I hope going into next year. We get this vaccine out. That's that. I think that's the main thing. We can lift the restrictions because the restrictions are just so tough to run a business uh, under those restrictions. And then, um, and people can get back out and having a good time, and, and hopefully uh, go back to supporting all the local businesses who've who've done a lot during this time as well. So yeah, hoping for brighter things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the I think obviously with the vaccine due to come out, I think next year is a lot brighter. And I think mm. people are desperate to get out there and, and socialise again and see friends and family and loved ones. And, and I think for your industry, I think people will realise perhaps how how well we've had it up until this year and, and kind of how appreciative they are of getting out and doing nice things. So hopefully there'll be a, a big demand to get back out there and, and enjoy themselves. 
I really hope so. I mean, I can't wait for one to go out to watch cricket again, you know, to be in a, you can't imagine. It's so funny. It was only a year ago. Obviously we were all doing these things, but you can't imagine what it'd be like to sat, be sat in the crowd, watching the ball sail into the stands. And like, it's, it's brilliant. I, I can't wait to, you know, go to a test match, go to a 2020, watch Yorkshire. It'd be, um, yeah, it would be absolutely great to get back to normal. I think there's going to be a real appetite and, and hopefully, uh, you know, people really appreciate um, what we haven't had. Yeah, I agree. And I think with cricket, especially with the fact that T20, where we obviously get the best crowds, we don't start that till probably June, July. You'd hope by then that mm. the, the vaccine is is kind of out there enough that they'll lift a lot of the restrictions and we can kind of get back to having some real good nights at Headingley. And I obviously look forward absolutely. to... When hospitality fully opens, that that invite up to the Black Swan and, and a lovely six, yeah. seven course taster meal. So I can't wait for that. To yeah, be no, I look forward. To it. You need these crowds for twenty twenty to throw the ball back. Have you seen it? They, they hit the ball into stands, and the players have to go looking for it. It's like that is insult to injury when you're just being hit out of the park, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can't wait. It would be great to welcome people back to the restaurants, and, uh, and, and yeah, just great to get back out there. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Brilliant. Well, Tommy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's been really good to catch up with you, learn a little bit about your industry and, and talk about your love of cricket. Mm. So we're really grateful that you came on and I would I would honestly love it. I know we spoke before off air, but uh, once we get round to the summer, we've got T20 and the 100 at Headingley. It'd be brilliant mm. to have you over. We'll get you up there in the on the balcony and uh, come and support the lads and, and enjoy it with us if you can. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a... Uh... It's a real pleasure and an honour and uh, you know, good luck with the, the pre-season. I think we've got a great side now at Yorkshire, um, so hopefully we get some success this year. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks a lot, Tommy. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers. You've been listening to the Covers Off podcast from Yorkshire County Cricket Club with me, Steve Patterson and Rich Pyra in association with AMT Auto. Find the latest deals at amtauto.co.uk and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at amtautouk. And remember to subscribe to our podcast. If you've missed any episodes, you can catch them up by downloading them on Spotify and iTunes.